0: Blob Talk Radio Blob Talk Radio Greetings and welcome to the Jewel Network. The Jewel Network is a radio frequency of continuous streaming knowledge and wisdom, which promotes and sustains the activation of the present evolutionary process of immortality and the unfolding of the God Self within the evolving planetary society presently on planet Earth. The Jewel Network is committed to teaching the sciences of life and the science of living. By cultivating the mind of a scientist, you will be able to extract the very best the current century has to offer. You are listening to The Balancing Program Show with your host, microbiologist, preventative medicine and hygiene physician, Dr. Jewel Pilgrim, MD. Join Dr. Jewel each Monday at 5 p.m.
1: Would you like to be smarter, more at peace in your life, less stress. Are you searching for a greater spiritual connection? If so, what you need is access to the 90% of your brain that most of us don't even use. All of this and much more can be yours by enrolling in Dr. Jewel's balancing program. Dr. Jewel's balancing program is a revolutionary program utilizing sacred geometry to connect the logical left and creative right sides of the brain
0: to work with what we call full brain functionality. Many participants feel affected from day one. And in no time, you can enjoy the physiological effects equal to eight hours of meditation in as little as 15 minutes a day. Act now to start on this life-changing program and become the person you always wanted to be. To learn more and sign up for Dr. Jewel's balancing program, please visit our website, www.thejewelnetwork.net.
1: What are you waiting for? Make the move. So show is being brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted by the Jewel Network. This is such an exciting day. I love it. And we have something wonderful to talk about. This is our Brain Anatomy Day. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about a special area of the brain. But in the meantime, what we normally always have to uh prepare ourselves for is to take in the information through as many, many sensory modalities as possible, visually, auditorily, and kinesthetically. So you're listening to me. Pad and pencil, please, so that you can write down those special notes and ideas. And most of all, we have to keep the brain hydrated, hydrated. so please acquire your uh, favorite beverage. I envision that it will be water, I found out a little secret that I thought was very nice, that uh, slicing fresh cucumber and fresh lemon into your water gives it a really wonderful taste. And if you're just curious about all of the fabulous properties that a clean, organic cucumber imparts to the body, you're going to be amazed. Most people take that vegetable for granted, but it is a very, very powerful uh, Uh, vegetable, and you want to be able to have access to its uh, wonderful qualities. So get your beverage, your pen and pencil, and let's get started. You've heard from our sponsor already, and I'm ready to talk about something very interesting. Now, this is an interesting name, and as you continue to listen to us every week, on our Neuroanatomy Days, there are going to be some very interesting names that are going to come up because a lot of these names come from uh, Latin and Greek origin. And so uh, for us, they uh, may sound strange, but they're significant. Today, I thought it would be wonderful if we would talk about the hypocampus. Okay, the hypocampus, yeah. And uh, this is very interesting because it is a portion of the what we call medial, which means kind of in the middle portion of both hemispheres of the brain. And one of the things that's very interesting is that after the balancing program, this um, bi-segmented, Component of the brain becomes unified. Mm, it's very, very uh, interesting here uh, about what happens. So there's been a lot of interesting um, experiments that have gone on with this area of the brain, etc. And uh, to the extent that some research researchers uh, have removed it in individuals. Um, and have watched the uh, consequences uh, of such. But one of the things that they did learn that was very interesting was the fact that it seems to have a direct relationship with the memory. Now, a lot of research has gone on to definitely make it very clear that um, this area is not only associated with memory, but um, other components of the brain. And we'll talk about that. But again, the word hippocampus, that's spelled H-I-P-P-O-C-A-M-P-U-S, means in Latin, I bet you can't guess. So interesting. Seahorse, how about that? Seahorse, seahorse. Okay, yeah. And when you look at this area of the brain, um, hmm, you know, depends on the section because it has uh, an interesting position within the brain, but definitely. Uh, on what we call a sagittal section of the brain it definitely does curl around and take that very unique uh, formation just like a seahorse so let's tell a little story about this because the hippocampus doesn't really stand alone on its own but it also is surrounded by some other important tissues and we'll talk about those more in detail but Let me just give you its relationship so you can jot this down. Uh, There's some other structures that are associated with the uh, hippocampus, H-I-P-P-O-C-A-M-P-U-S, the dentate gyrus, D-E-N-T-A-T-E-G-Y-R-U-S, and you may want to look it up, so you'll be prepared next time. The subicular cortex... S-U-B-I-C-U-L-A-R and also the fimbria, F-I-M-B-R-I-A. And it's so interesting because as a gynecologist, when I think of fimbria, I think of those little cute little fingers that come off of the what we call salpinks or commonly known as the tube in the female the genitalia in the pelvis that literally cause the fertilize, let's say the egg that ruptures from the ovary to be <coughs> literally stroked into the tube. Because as you know, fertilization normally happens in the uh, uterus, but for the tube literally, should I say the fertilized ovum to get into the uterus, it has to go down the tube. Okay, and so that tube known as a salping has little fingers on it that we call fimbria. And they literally move in one direction so that the current that is created actually draws the intended to be fertilized ovum into the tube that then finally moves into the uterus. So fimbria also exist in the brain and in relationship to the brain, they are a bundle of axons. And remember we talked about axons before, that that is one of the extensions off of a neuron. So a neuron looks like a human that's straddled with their arms and legs uh, to the side and with one leg that now has thickened and elongated itself, which is that part of the neuron that we call the axon. And this literally is a bundle of axons that literally form like a little miniature spinal cord that actually runs through the center of the hippocampus. And it's interesting because it carries information to other parts of the brain. So we'll talk about those other parts of the brain later, but I want you to kind of get an idea of how this structure works. So just remember, looks like a a seahorse bolted on itself like the S in a C, seahorse. It sits in the lower central area of the brain. It's surrounded by other significant tissues. We talked about those, the dentate gyrus, subicular cortex, and the fimbria, but also, to this fimbria literally runs down the middle. So I think that will help you get a clear understanding here of why this area seems to be so important let us just give you some more details about its relevance in a little story form. And uh, that's what I think is uh, significant here. It's a little story about it. Now, again, a lot of the things that were understood about the brain in recent times, okay, and recent times would be the last 200 uh, 50 to 300 years was literally done uh, in the back room of barber shops, <laughs> interestingly enough, and in the basements of uh, hospitals and, and infirmaries where these bodies were acquired and nobody came to collect them. The individuals may not have had uh, family members, etc. Sh- insurance as we think of it right now, especially life insurance, was not something that was really offered. And so, therefore, if the family didn't come for the body, then, therefore, many times this allowed the physicians to be able to have the opportunity to do deeper viewing and what we call dissection of these bodies. And, therefore, with this capacity, especially the surgeons, which is why I talk about this being done, in the uh, back of barber shops is because it was the barber with the sharp instruments that literally did surgical procedures on people. So the surgeon literally was a separate entity from the physician. And the uh, physician and surgeons finally did merge, uh, especially when it was finally recognized the importance of uh, sanitation and hygiene and how we approached the uh, patient, et cetera, and that uh, a little more needed to be done in many medical cases other than bloodletting because that's what the surgeons normally did. So with that history, is so interesting, but with the fusion of all of this, finally, you know, we had uh, surgeons and physicians that got very, very courageous and decided that since we don't have medication, we don't have anything else to do, Okay, uh, what would be uh, the result if we were able to uh, intervene and remove what we understand to be certain areas of the brain? So early in the 1950s, uh, experimentation began where uh, portions of the temporal lobes of the brain were removed from an individual because he had very life-threatening epilepsy. And no medication was available at that time, et cetera, and they were able to identify that the uh, focal point for the seizures appeared to be in the medial, temporal uh, area of the brain. And so this individual, even though it was quite experimental, it was decided that we should remove this and see if we can control these seizures. So what happened after surgery, uh, it was noted that the individual really had lost the capacity to recall any long-term memories. And so he was able to uh, function in the moment, however. uh, But uh, the uh, long-term memories were definitely lost, and he was only able to retain activities that happen in the moment for a very brief period of time. So um, over time it was noted, however, that um, he was able to demonstrate the retention of uh, information gradually, but it still at that time was not accepted that the brain literally could regenerate. So with this persistence of the individual in uh, not really being able to uh, convert his short-term memories into long-term memories, it was then postulated that the area of the brain that was removed that has been labeled as the hippocampus was the area that long-term events or long-term memory long-term information literally was stored as you know we've moved forward <laughs> no pun intended in our brain and we have now been able to identify the fact that yes that is an area within the brain uh, a database that we would now refer to it as that does hold uh, whole uh, long-term memory but also that we have the storage capacity in every cell of the body. It's very interesting. Every cell of the body has its own little hard drive database. We wouldn't necessarily call that, you know, an intracellular hippocampus region, but we do know for a fact that uh, cellular memory and also just strategic areas of the body that have been involved in very intense stimuli or experiences, also will retain uh, memory in that region. But the hippocampus for the longest last 200 years has been touted as the area that literally consolidates memory. Now, something else is very interesting that we notice that we are now becoming aware of the fact that we do have regions or fields of energy that also cushion or surround every area of our physical body. So every organ literally has a energetic component to itself, an aura of energy, as well as the brain. And it has been postulated a long, long time ago that uh, these segments of the brain that we are identifying, the anterior, medial, frontal, posterior, parietal, occipital areas of the brain also have corresponding energetic circuits. Now, this has been referred to as what we call the subtle anatomy or subtle energetic fields of the body. And even though this was documented thousands of years ago, the Egyptians referred to these areas of the human body and human anatomy that were energetic in nature with specific names. So did the Eastern Indians as well as the um, Sumerians, et cetera. And also for those uh, tribal collectives in Africa that their glyphs, um, et cetera, have been able to be translated by the Western Uh, mind have also indicated that they were aware that there were energy aspects of the physical anatomy that when they literally were um, interacted with or upon could literally cause the physical body and especially in the brain to have uh, different capabilities and connotations still in the very modern Um, world, we have individuals who travel to these more indigenous areas to have these energetic spheres of their physical anatomy activated. So um, the term that we use sometimes is that they talk about putting a a deity, for example, in uh, one's head or one's brain and the person is taught particular languages, they have to live a particular way, they are taught new information, and then literally uh, ceremonies are performed where the energetics of these areas are literally connected to a conscious field of energy where these individuals now have the capacity to communicate directly with conscious fields of energy that do not necessarily have physical bodies as we have been able to see them with our physical eyes. Now, that may sound, you know, very strange to you and very much so in the Western world, but this is part of the new burgeoning growth and development that we are experiencing in the brain that because we are now literally moving forward in our brain, we're making those connections to the lateral prefrontal cortex of the brain, that we are now able to perceive energy fields and that these energy fields do have information and they are very much conscious and we can literally connect with them, that we can make channels or conduits, literally, a portal. And that portal literally can download the information from a field of consciousness that is not visible to the eye, literally impacts our consciousness and then is mediated through the brain where the physical organs of the body can then express the knowledge that prior to making that conduit connection to this energy field of knowledge or consciousness was not known to the consciousness of the individual who had been operating the body prior to that experience. Now, in in the 60s, this became quite um, a very active event where there were many people who literally were declaring that they were now able to access energy fields of consciousness and that their body was being used to literally reveal and to uh, orate the information in these energy fields. They uh, refer to this as channeling, and now we know for a fact that these fields do exist and that individuals who do have this kind of agility can access these energy fields. Of course, in the more, what I call, emotionally based religions Uh, that would be like the Kojic religion, they are known for definitely speaking in tongues etc and this is one of the things that they uh, have literally trained their people to be able to do, to access these energy fields and to bring forward this information uh, through the use of their physical bodies understand that this hypocampal formation does have an energetic component to itself that when it is accessed and those neurons literally are developed from the hypocampal area into the cerebellum that they can bring forth not only long-term stored memory from what the consciousness of this brain perceives as events that that have happened in this lifetime, but also can bring forth information that literally is stored in the, what I call the super hard drive, of the cerebellum has been alleged in many of the ancient texts to contain millions of years of information. Uh, The Tibetan teachings are that this area of the brain contains at least up to 10 million years of information. Also from the uh, Mayan Aztec writings, et cetera, and as well as from uh, Egyptian scrolls that this has been alleged about this area of the brain. So for right now, it's just important to keep that in mind that there's a part of the brain that takes on the configuration of the seahorse that is known as the hippocampus that has been alleged to be responsible for long-term memory. Now, it's very interesting, too, because we have to remember that we have many components of the brain throughout the body from just a a single uh, nerve ending that always accompanies an artery and a vein to plexus of nerves that sit in major energy points on the body, such as the reproductive organs. They have a plexus of nerves known as the nervi irrigentes that comes off the end of the spinal column that looks like a horse's tail the reproductive organs, prostate, and uterus, ovaries and tubes, vast deference, are just completely shrouded with nerve tissue. And so I used to always wonder, you know, why it was never really taught how to literally go in and tease all of these nerves away so that when prostatic surgeries were performed or uh, uterine and salpingo, which again is the tubes, were performed that uh, intense measures were not given to make sure that these nerve endings were not damaged. And because that was really not something commonly taught in the practice of surgical gynecology, there were a lot of sequelae to that. You know, men basically having many problems with the erectile dysfunction and sensitivity and a bladder control, of which the uh, conscientious dissection of those nerves, et cetera, would have definitely uh, diminished those kind of post-op as well as with women and the uh, degree of ovarian dysfunction that occurs many times after surgery, not because the actual ovary was traumatized, but the nerves that relay all of the information from the brain, et cetera, were highly damaged. So, <clears throat> hippocampus formation sits in the um, medial temporal area of the brain, responsible for the collection and storage of long term memory. Shaped like a seahorse is something that you want to. Uh, think about in relationship to keeping it healthy. Why? Not only because, again, that seems to be the database, the hard drive for the brain, but also to remember that all of the brain has a direct relationship with the skin. This is very important. We even have something that happens energetically in the body known as dermatomes. We're going to talk about that a little later time where there literally are segments of sensory innervation that occurs through the skin, also deep into the organs that directly is related to the brain. And because the brain and the skin originate from the same embryological tissue, the skin is directly also related to brain health. And one can literally also read the health of the brain by looking at one's skin. So that should tell you a lot about uh, what's going on with your skin when you are putting cosmetics and substances on the skin that are known to be, um, to to contain uh, potentially toxic substances Those of you who know that you work with very toxic chemicals and are not very conscientious on making sure that they don't come in contact with your skin, or if so, that you immediately change um, the relationship of that substance with your skin by washing it off or using a solvent, et cetera, are directly placing that on the brain. Think about that, those who are using hair dyes and chemicals, that definitely you would not open up your brain and put right on top. So the dyes that are being used and the chemicals on the hair, definitely I would always say give the test that they should be edible. Now, if it's not edible, you know, and it doesn't come from a direct plant source, you may want to look at that. And because, again, most people are not clearly understanding the relationship between the skin and their nervous system, we take in a lot of things through the skin directly into the brain that we have to pay the consequences for. So uh, think about that. Hippocampus, long-term memory. What does that have to do with how you're treating your skin? Okay, what does that have to do with how you're eating? And if you're having signs and symptoms that you're not able to recall, uh, a lot of the things that you've been exposed to, then what does that say about internal brain integration? So it's just about time for our uh, Diamond Grid, Diamond Light update, but I wanted to say something. You know, I was very much impressed to uh, get a hold of that movie called Limitless again. Uh, you may want to look at that very, very interesting. It brings up a lot of interesting points, but I thought it was... Uh, significant to recognize that the relationship between how the neurons are growing and interconnecting in the brain literally uh, determines how you're going to really navigate your life and see all the options that are available to you. And one of the things that was very clear throughout this movie is that the capacity of that hippocampus to be able to hold information, even from what is considered from the subconscious level, that information, people, circumstances going on around you that in consciousness you may not have paid any attention, but they were recorded in the hippocampus. And when those neurons are able to completely integrate with this area of the brain, because remember now you have two segments, A right and a left, okay, which you don't want to have, but when they integrate, one of the things that happens is that you become very efficient in connecting the dots. Now, what does that mean? That means that you can be exposed to one little bit of information, and with a totally integrated hippocampus, all the information that is relevant to that one source of energy input known as information now is immediately assimilated and brought to your consciousness for you to look at this and it turns out to literally be a big picture that you can have one little piece of information and then all of a sudden the hippocampus will download everything in the database that is literally related to that one piece of information lay it out and put it into a picture where you can just take it on into all different types of options and capabilities. And throughout this movie, Limitless, he shows you how this drug that he took caused such proliferation and infusion of the neurons into the hippocampus that you could give him just one little piece of data, one experience. And he was able to take from his own reference, his own past, and create all new potentials and all new scenarios for him to take for him first of all to select and take action upon so I wanted to bring that to your attention here that you don't want to have a right and left hippocampus you want them to be fused so that you can literally have all of the storage database of information available so that you can connect the dots with any particular small input of information and create a scenario that you want to experience, not what may have been offered to you, but what you want to experience, because you can take all of this data and put it together to literally make an opportunity for you to walk into or walk out of any experience successful. So with that said, let's hear from our sponsor, and then the next point you'll hear will be Ms. Julie Uppleby, our tissues engineer from the Diamond Light World, who's giving us the energetic update today on what is happening to our body today. Lots of things have been going on over the weekend. So we'll be right back, and you will hear Julie Uppleby from Diamond Light World. I'll be right back.
0: The rapidly evolving face of the 21st century is requiring us to upgrade our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies in order to keep pace with the energetic changes around us. SimonLightWorld.com provides you with a collection of energy tools and technology to assist you in regenerating your body, enabling your mind, as well as activating and strengthening your presence and purpose, so that you can achieve greater manifestation of your divine goals in this lifetime. Julie Umpleby. A scientist and the founder of Diamond Light World offers you specialized and personal diamond light grid activations and alignments, focused meditations, home study programs for personal diamond matrix development, and much more. Visit www.diamondlightworld.com for further information on how you can step up to and into your highest potential. Listening to the Jewel Network, justifiably enchanted with enlightened living on the web at www.thejewelnetwork.net.
1: Hi, well, greetings. If you're just tuning in, welcome to the Jewel Network. You are listening to the Dr. Jewel Balancing Show. I'm your host, Dr. Jewel. Welcome. And this show is being brought to you by The Jewel Network, justifiably enchanted with Enlightened Living, broadcasting the sciences of light and living on Blog Talk Radio. And we are, again, recognizing that we will not have Julie with us. Energies are prevailing in many unique ways, but she'll be back next week, and therefore, We are going right to the lines because I want to hear about your experiences with your hippocampus and what's going on with your memory and what are you doing to make sure that your right and left hippocampus are unifying so that you can have one congruent database to be able to take any bit of information and connect the dots. This is very important. So without further ado, Area code one one one, how auspicious! How are you today? Welcome, area code one one one. How are you, Doctor Joel? Our area code one 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 appears to have disconnected, but our next call is from area code eight five six. Okay, wonderful. Well, hi, area code eight five six. How are you? What's your name? Very So that's okay. a good thing and so, a bad thing. Sometimes eight, they don't have those packs. Right. There you go, eight five one. You're on the radio. Can you hear us? There you go, eight five one. How are you? You're on the air. Okay, maybe they didn't know that they were going to be on the air. So I'll try to pull them together and, I mean, carry on. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. And we don't have one 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 available. That's such an auspicious number, huh? No? Okay. Well, if you have any comments or questions, please call me at 347-215-9531. 347-215-9531. Well, I tell you, I just love my hippocampus, and um, I had the opportunity to uh, see what database uh, information it was containing because I got a hold of an article that came from Uh, came through one of our more reputable scientific magazines. And it literally showcased a group of authors coming out of a well-known university here that were alleging that everybody does use more than 10% of their brain, that they're using their entire brain all of the time and that it really is not true that most people are using less than 10% of their brain. And I was like, wow, do they understand what a statement that is? Do you understand what a statement that is? I was like, oh my goodness. You know, to tell somebody who basically is out of work, okay, who's having health problems, who maybe also emotionally is very much depressed, not, successful in their relationships, having trouble really communicating with their children. I mean, we've got a list a person can sit down and go through in a day and to tell them that they are using all of their brain and this is how their life is looking is not saying a lot about the intelligence and the unlimited capability that lies within every human being if you're using all of your brain and these experiences you're having in your life are the best you can do with all of your brain, now how would you basically process that? And I was like, what could have been on their mind? Because we know for a fact that an individual under the proper stimuli, which varies from person to person, can literally turn around and make changes in their life that they have never, ever experienced before. Well, how can they do that? Well, obviously, that must not have been the area of the brain that they were using on a regular basis. Uh, Example, many people have testified to the fact that they've observed this or had to do it themselves in a real life or death situation, child under the car, something has fallen on the child or the husband, et cetera. Something has fallen on the wife, the husband's there. Under no circumstances would they be able to literally lift up the front of a car or the back of a car or push a truck off or a tree limb, etc. That was huge. But too often we have these testimonies where there was nobody there. Were they going to stand there and basically let the husband die, the wife die, the child die? No. So from nowhere, they were so focused that they had to be able to do something to help. They were able to lift the truck, to lift the car, to lift and roll the log off until other assistants came. So now this was obviously an area of the brain that they had never used, never occupied in consciousness. So I'm like, well, what is going on with these scientists here? And what test tube did they decide that they were going to invest all of their awareness into? Because it couldn't have been a huge flask, okay, because otherwise they would have finally recognized that when we are referencing the fact that an individual usually settles in a lifetime to using 5 10% of the brain, We are talking about in full awareness of the potentials that all of these neurons offer. We're not talking about whether the blood is flowing to these areas, whether whether the lymph is flowing to these areas, or whether vitamins and minerals are flowing to these areas. And I thought that that was just astounding, that obviously, yes, for your entire brain to stay potentially functional, you have to ensure that the entire brain is being perfused with cerebrospinal fluid, arterial blood, venous blood, as well as lymphatic uh, infusion of tissue. Now, does that mean that your awareness is in that particular area of the brain? where you as an energy field literally are completely conscious and in that area of the brain and are using those particular qualities well of course not and so therefore for you to basically take a scan that is showing perfusion of blood or even a scan that may be showing focal areas of electromagnetic activity in no way is indicative that your consciousness, you are an energy field, your energy always containing information. And you are animating this physical body to literally execute in this density that we call the three dimensions what it is that you are thinking at any particular time. And we do know that there's a direct correlation between how much you can exhibit in this physical world relative to the amount of nervous tissue that your consciousness your energy field you can literally permeate so I just read you this information here about the uh, hippocampus and the capacity for an individual to access their hard drive database to obtain information so All of these individuals who literally are taking stimulants of a lesser or greater degree, totally synthetic and pharmaceutical to totally vegetable-based organic to help stimulate the hippocampus to release the information from the past so that they can use that in the moment to extrapolate how they want to navigate their future. So they are saying that we need to stimulate this area of the brain because in consciousness we're not there on our own. So what is that saying? That's saying that to that person, of course I'm not using all of my brain. I can't remember. I need to be able to remember. So I need to basically be able to have those neurons firing in such a way where my consciousness can flow down that highway of nerve tissue and actually align with the frequencies of information contained in this area of the brain so that I can recognize it and then tell my body what to do and how to act on it. So I'm like, what were they writing about that they would sit there and tell humanity that you're using all of your brain with the decisions that we're making with the choices that we've made oh no and you never ever want to be so egocentric and arrogant to want to believe that there's so much potential that is dormant in you there's so many capabilities that we don't even know yet that for somebody to sell you that kind of misinformation so that you can basically allow your ego to stroke you and let you and let you believe that you are all that you're going to ever be just as you are today, you would not want to go there. You never want anybody to basically tell you that you aren't everything, and you are. And so, therefore, if you know, well, if I am everything and I haven't been able to actualize that yet, then what's the answer? Very simple. You haven't been able to visit in consciousness those areas of the brain that hold that information that you haven't been able to access yet and process through your body. It's just real simple. And so rather than let somebody tell us some uh information that was not made from obviously an individual who in consciousness was able to permeate multiple areas of the brain simultaneously which is what happens when you're balanced and definitely is a natural state of consciousness that occurs when you're lost you want to basically just move right along and use as many of the tools and techniques possible that will increase the potential for your brain to be able to be accessible to you in consciousness at any time and in the greatest capacity you can perceive of. And the simple way to do that is to just balance the brain. Use the template that creates all of reality, and that is known as sacred geometry. That's what we do here on the Dr. Jewel Balancing Program. The key here is is that because everything is geometric, you're surrounded by the basic sacred geometric templates and their fractals, which is their repetitious multiplication thereof, you have to basically learn how to comprehend and understand what you have always been in. It's so funny. It's like teaching a fish about water. Okay, and that may sound, you know, kind of silly, but it's really true because the fish has always been in water. So, therefore, the fish really doesn't see or perceive that this is something really unique that it's been in until it has to then enter into a different environment. But, oh, tell me, when that fish has been pulled out of water and now is in air, it totally recognizes something. is very different. I was definitely in one type of environment. I appeared to be relaxed and okay in that environment, and now where I am, this is really different, and I've got to work this out. Well, guess what? We've got fish that recognize they've got to work it out. And when the water gets scarce, okay, or the water now is getting so toxic in many areas, these fish are moving forward in their little brains, and they are developing connections to that great, free frontal cortex, where they are sending information down to those fins. You've got to now act like this is water, and let's move to a new place that we can thrive in. So these fish are now walking. Oh, yeah, walking fish. And those fins literally are moving them through the mud. They got pictures of them. Go to YouTube. You can see the fish. The fish now are walking fish are developing so many different capabilities to adapt to the new environment because they are 100% very clear that they will do what is ever necessary, which drives those neurons to search for new connections that have new information where the little fish's consciousness can flow and see that they have options. We're only going to flop and jump around here for so long. And if this means then that we've got to basically calm down, which is what you see happen, very interesting, the fish calm down. They're like, okay, this is not working. We've really got to calm down. They move to a whole new level of breathing and respiring. Those fish can be put on ice, water that is not naturally in the state that they breathe, and basically they can be shipped for hours and the fish is still alive. That's just how readily they adapt and move to a new area of their brain where the body gets new directions and they handle this new experience in a totally different way. And this might have never happened to them ever in their life since their birth out of the egg except this one time. And they've moved on and integrated and moved their consciousness into a new area of the brain, and they're forcing that body to function differently. Now, they even go to the extent where When there's no water and there's no moisture in the mud, they bury themselves and they've learned how to go into a near-sylandic state, a deep meditation state, metabolism, tone way, way down, and they are just almost in suspended animation and can stay that way for months until the rains come and then. So when the water levels occur again, they go back to, what, their past memory, they've already learned how to swim in water, and the environment is ideal for that, and they immediately adjust and they move on. It dries up, or we know how to breathe in air. So I'm saying that, you know, don't let people sell you that business about the fact that you're using all of your brain when you know you need answers to circumstances in your environment. You need answers to get to that goal that you want to experience. And why aren't you already having the experience? And it's usually because you do not have your awareness in the area of the brain that would normally give you that experience. It will immediately put you on the frequency for what it is that you want to have all around you. So Don't let the ego start stroking you on the back because this article is telling you that you're using all of your brain and you recognize that your life is definitely not the ideal you want. Don't go there. You get real busy focusing your awareness to the area of the brain that you are identifying must be somewhere in your head that you want to go there and sit in consciousness because you want the body to carry this out change the frequency, whatever, so that you can be successful in whatever you are focusing on in your life. The balancing program makes that naturally occur. So what do we do here at the Dr. Jewel Balancing Program? We teach you how to travel around the brain once you've developed all of the neurons. It's very difficult to get somewhere if you got to actually hack down bush and build bridge and, you know, lay down new road and all these different things. It's very difficult to get there. And an uncultivated brain is exactly like the bush. It's exactly like a forest. It hasn't been refined where your consciousness can move through there and get to that area of the brain that has the capability of putting you into resonance with what it is you want to experience. So, therefore, you've got to learn how to do that. You've got to understand the symptoms that you may have you got to understand all the experiences you may have on the road as you are growing this new neuronal highway. And that is what we offer you, the information, the data, and the support to let you know where you are in your brain and what you can expect as you move forward in growing those neurons, growing through that area, areas of the brain that are not cultivated, that are not balanced until you get to... The destination, and the destination on the basic program is to the center of the brain where the right and the left hemispheres communicate. You want to bind those bundles of nerves known as the corpus callosum. And when those bad boys are bound energetically, watch and see what you're going to become aware of. And no one could have ever told you that you just weren't just too hot to trot as how you thought you were but wait and see what you start recognizing, what you've become aware of, how you're able to handle yourself, the new capabilities of the body, et cetera, just because you develop the major highway to the center of your brain where those two communicative bundles of nerves are now tapered and balanced so that the energies are passing from right to left hemisphere of the brain in a core at all times. Watch and see how that feels. And that's what the basic Dr. Dual Balancing Program does. And we support you and walk with you while you are going through the process of seeing yourself go through your own brain that hasn't been cultivated.